Welcome to the Heal Here podcast. I'm your host, Kate Flick, aka Oracle Lightworker. I'm a Holy Fire 3 Karuna Reiki master teacher and Akashic Records reader. I also happen to be a Gemini, don't judge, a 5-1 emotional manifester and empowered empath. I am literally obsessed with helping you heal and showing you that you are your own best healer. Join me here where we will explore different techniques and modalities and where I will share personal experiences and channel guidance to help support you as you move along the spiritual and healing path. I am so glad you're here. I can buy myself flowers, write my name in the sand, talk to myself for hours, say things you don't understand. I can take myself dancing. Sorry. Okay. I'm getting carried away. Um, As I said, songs just keep coming into my head. So when I have a mic in front of me, I've got to sing them, right? Um, Speaking of this song, (laughs) I am loving this song and it's hilarious. It's just like so, it feels so empowering to listen to it as a woman. Am I the only one? I I know I'm not the only one because I'm seeing all these people doing reels and like dancing, but... Anyway, I'm loving this song. I am totally loving it and hope you don't mind that I just serenaded you today. (laughs) So big shout out to Miley Cyrus on the Heal Here podcast. Oh yeah, welcome to Heal Here. (laughs) I am your host, Kate Flick, and I'm so glad that you've decided to endure my uh, intro singing and that you've decided to stick around to listen and to hear about my drinking story today. (laughs) It should be interesting. I'm kind of going back through my memories. And you know what? I don't have a ton of memories. And I don't know, partly probably because of drinking, but I don't have a lot of memories from my childhood either. But um, I'm trying, I'll try to piece piece everything together for everybody today. Uh, Before I get into my story, a little housekeeping. I just want to remind people this is coming out on Friday. So when you hear this, it's going to be Friday, January 27th. And tomorrow, Saturday, January 28th, and Sunday, January 29th, I will be hosting live on Zoom, Holy Fire 3 Level 1 and 2 training. This is an all-day training from 9 a.m. Atlantic time until 6.30 p.m. So it's a very intensive training and you will be attuned to this beautiful energy. You will receive the gift of self-healing. You will learn how to treat yourself to perform self-reiki. You will learn how to do a session for others and how to send reiki over distance. Uh, You will be attuned to four symbols. Usually in level two, you are attuned to three symbols, but my Reiki master teacher received a fourth symbol. So you will be attuned to that as well, which is a nice little bonus. And it is just honestly such a healing experience. It's going to be such a healing weekend. So if you are feeling the nudge, if something is pushing you towards it, follow that guidance and you can sign up in my link in bio on Instagram. I'll actually be putting, you know what, I'll put a link in the show notes as well. So you can sign up directly um, through through this podcast. And we would love to have you. I, I trust that if you are meant to be in the class, you will be in the class. And I just love teaching Reiki. So I'm so excited to be connecting with my students this weekend and just being a guide and a facilitator for the healing that's going to happen. So very excited about that. I also have 
one-to-one Akashic Reiki sessions available through my link in bio and in the show notes. Or you can also go to www.oraclelightworkerhealing.podia.com. Or you can actually, if you have any questions, you can also email me at oraclelightworkerhealing at gmail.com. All right, enough with the housekeeping notes. Let's get into my drinking, (laughs) my drinking story. So where to begin? Um, It's funny because growing up, I, you know, I think I was a late bloomer when it came to drinking. Growing up in Prince Edward Island, the smallest province in Canada, I would say, I would safely say that we have a pretty strong drinking culture here. Um, I didn't really realize it at the time that it was quite ingrained in our culture until, you know, maybe a bit later in my life. But I've come to realize that we do, we do like our drinks here. Um, And maybe it's because it's a smaller place. And, you know, um, sometimes when there's not a lot to do, people get bored. (laughs) And then maybe they drink to have fun. I don't know. Never tried alcohol until I would say it was the summer going into grade 12. So my senior year in high school and, you know, in grade 10 and 11, like in Canada, we don't, our high school starts in grade 10. Um, Well, in Prince Edward Island, it does anyway. I know in a a lot of places it starts in grade nine, Um, but in Prince Edward Island, our high school starts in grade 10 and it's 10, 11 and 12. And so, you know, I, you know, started going to parties, you know, in grade, hmm. I don't know, did I go into any in grade 10? I was pretty straight and narrow kid, pretty focused on sports and school. Maybe in grade 11, I started going to parties or at the end of grade 10, I'm not really sure. I always was sober driver or my friend, my best friend and I were always, we always said, we don't need to drink to have fun. And it was true. We didn't. We always had a blast. We never had to drink to to have fun. And it's funny over the years, I forgot about, you forget about that, that I, you know, you actually don't have to drink to have fun but over the years you kind of forget about that and then associate any fun time that you've had with alcohol alcohol when it was really the experience itself that was fun and you know we almost condition ourselves to believe it was the alcohol that was making it fun that's an aside Uh, but yeah I remember trying alcohol and at this party going into grade 12 and I just remember feel like loving the feeling like whoa like it just felt this warmth and you know I I didn't realize that I was a very sensitive child and probably quite introverted and this is what the alcohol just brought me out of my shell and later like in university I was so social and so like going to every party. And I thought that's, I I forgot, I think that I maybe hadn't always been that way. I'm kind of coming to a realization. The realization of that now actually is that I didn't like to hang out in tons of groups of big people prior to when I started drinking. I was kind of an introvert, but then I spent so many years of my life like drinking, going to parties and loving being like kind of the life of the party that I kind of started to believe, I guess, that I was that super social party person who loved that kind of thing. When in reality, that was not it's not really who I am. It's funny. I just had a flashback to grade 12. So I was a senior and playing basketball and every year 
we wore these, we were part of this patch program and we partnered with a local RCMP where we would wear a patch. We'd write a, we'd sign a contract that said we wouldn't drink or use alcohol during the basketball season. We'd wear this patch. They, it was sewn onto our uniforms, uh, on our shorts and it was called the patch program. And it just was us vowing to not use drugs or alcohol during the season. And it had not been a problem for me in grade 10 or 11 because I didn't, I didn't use drugs or alcohol in those years. And then I remember going to that party and drinking and then going into grade 12, knowing like, oh my gosh, like, okay, I'm going to be drinking. (laughs) I'm going to be drinking this during this basketball season. And I remember having a meeting with my basketball coach at the time. And like, I am, I was such a goody two shoes, like straight and narrow, like (laughs) big time goody two shoes. So I can't believe I actually you know, said, like said this in the meeting, I'm just remembering now, but at the same time at my conscience was like, I had such a guilty conscience that I, that I couldn't have lived with myself if I wearing this patch and like partying on the weekend. So I remember having this meeting and saying, you know what, like, I don't know that this patch has been like, I don't think our team should do this because because I feel like it, it's not in integrity to do this if we're not all making this vow and I'm not able to, you know, I would not feel right about having a patch on my shorts if I if I do end up drinking during the season. I, I don't know the exact words I use, but anyway, I basically denounced the patch. <laughs> I can't believe it now because, again, biggest goody two-shoes ever, like super concerned about how teachers perceived me. And, you know, my parents were both teachers and I just, you know, very much on the straight and narrow, but my conscience couldn't, like I, I wouldn't have been able to wear that patch with the potential of knowing that I was going to be going to some parties and drinking. So anyway, that memory about the, the patch program. So I basically, this patch program had been going on for years and it wasn't, believe me, it wasn't being upholded. I should say upheld or adhered to. <laughs> Sorry if I'm calling out any patchers in the audience, patch program people. You down with OPP? Yeah, you know me. <laughs> Old patch program people. Um, anyhow, like I look like the total <laughs> terrible person denouncing the patch. <laughs> I should have just let it go. Like it just, it probably would still be going today. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. But anyway, cycle breaker, here I am. So, yeah, so it all began with the patch program. (laughs) Um, No, so fast forward into university. And this is funny. I'm having another memory here. I said I don't have a lot of memories, but I'm having them now. Um, Is a freshman, you know, coming in and there's like fresh, like at at the university I went to playing basketball. And there are these guys, these recruits coming in. Recruits or recruits? Why am I saying recruits? (laughs) recruits anyway there's a couple of guys from like from Ontario and big guys like big like six 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 seven like these are big dudes and I remember going to a party with them at the beginning of the year and like I like I like drank I was like so proud of myself at the time that I drank them under the table like I was like what the heck they could not hold their liquor and Sadly, I was like, I I thought that that was pretty cool that I could drink these 
big dudes under the table. But I remember having a co- like I couldn't understand like why why are these guys getting loaded off of like a couple of drinks? Like I don't get it. And I had a conversation with them and you know, they were saying that they don't you know, they're coming from larger cities and it wasn't as as big of a thing where they were coming from. And, you know, I think that they had other things that they were doing. Everybody wasn't just getting wasted every weekend. So, again, coming back to, you know, where you live does have an impact, I think, on your drinking habits. And it's very much ingrained in the culture where I live. Small place, rural, like quite rural. Um And if people, you know, there maybe isn't a lot to do, people tend to sit around and drink. And anyhow, it just was interesting to me that that I had, I thought I was proud of this tolerance I had over these big guys. Now I see it much, much differently. (laughs) But at the time, I thought I was pretty cool. So I remember my drinking being not abnormal to anyone else in university. Like, I drank every weekend. I mean, my drinking was probably limited compared to some people in university just because we had a 48-hour rule in basketball we couldn't drink or you know do drugs or I don't even know if they talked about drugs but drinking for sure I mean alcohol is a drug but 48 hours before a game so we typically had games Saturdays and Sundays so we would go out Thursday night um, pretty hard and then we, you know, wouldn't be doing anything Friday and then Saturday we wouldn't be drinking a lot during the season. And then Sunday, a lot of times we maybe do something, Sun, we drink Sunday nights. Um, and, you know, if we ever had that odd Friday, Saturday game, I, I notice now with the university schedule, there's a lot more of the Friday, Saturday uh, games. I would have loved that back in the day, but it was very rare for us. And if we had a Friday, Saturday, oh, we'd be going out hard, hard in the paint <laughs> on Saturday night. Um, but drinking, definitely. My my schedule in university revolved around basketball and drinking. And yeah, school, I fit school in there, but I think basketball and partying were definitely my two, sadly, embarrassingly so, were my two main priorities in university. I actually remember when, I don't know, it was leading up to playoffs or something. I don't know if this was every year or just one year. I just remember our coach having this talk with our team saying she wanted us to refrain from drinking for like a week or two weeks leading up to playoffs. And I was like, oh my gosh, like what? Like, you know, I didn't, I don't think I said that. I wouldn't have said it to her, but I was like, how, like, this is my stress reliever. Like, this is, I remember talking to one of my teammates, like, this is how we blow off steam. Like, we, so university's stressful and we, they can't take this away from us. Like, what are they doing? Like, this is, anyway, I thought it was like a tragedy that the idea of like taking drinking away for two, (laughs) taking the option of drinking away for two weeks, I thought it was crazy. Little did I know that the alcohol, was most definitely adding to my stress levels in university, but I had no idea. And I don't think anybody, most people don't, most people drink to relieve stress and have no idea that the alcohol actually creates stress in the body. Like I had no idea. And until until I started to examine my relationship with al- alcohol. So yes, I, I led a very, what I would have said called a normal university life, binge drinking, you know, on the weekends if I didn't have games. 
And but I fit it in whenever I could. But it was the same type of drinking that everybody else was doing. It didn't seem abnormal at all. I loved I loved a good time. I loved to party. And to be honest, I had a great time. I had a total blast in university. It was so many fun times, if I am being honest. So I met my husband, I believe it was 2003. At it, it was actually 2002. My husband told me it was 2002. Whoops. Anyway, uh, I'm just jumping in here to edit. Back to the show. Gosh, that makes it 20 years since we've been together, essentially. Like we've We've been dating. We broke up for a very short time, and that actually involved had to do with drinking. Um, and I'm thinking that I I kind of want to get him on the podcast to maybe tell his story about drinking, if he agrees, <laughs> if people are interested, because I think these stories are important. But he actually, uh, it's a whole long story, but he quit drinking. We broke up kind of because of his drinking, and he quit drinking when he was 24 and so he hasn't he's 43 and he hasn't he hasn't had a drink since he was 24 years old which is totally amazing um but that's the first time I kind of started to see alcohol in a different way because it had impacted our relationship greatly and you know I started to see okay there's another side to alcohol it's not it's not all fun and games like there's a side that not good and that can have an effect on you know people's relationships and people's mental health and physical health all the things so when my husband well my boyfriend at the time when he quit drinking um then shortly after that he he had finished playing at university and he was asked to play in the CHL so it's a semi pro league in the states so we i went with him to Kansas i think i mentioned that in a previous podcast and so when we were there he you know this is his first time not drinking and hockey and drinking tend to go quite hand in hand there's a lot of drinking in hockey culture give him props to go to this new team and be the guy 24 years old not drinking on the team and so I wouldn't drink either because I just wanted to support him in any way I could and I didn't want him to feel I don't know I didn't want to have alcohol around the house to make him feel tempted or anything like that so I wasn't drinking at all at that time and then we got engaged there and we came home and then Again, for those years, I wasn't, I never had alcohol in the house. Um, I, the only time I really drank is, you know, girls night out. Like if we, I'd go out with my friends and then I would, I'd go back to getting like drunk and, you know, like a, a night out with the girls, but it would just be very, you know, rare that these, this drinking would happen. I wasn't keeping alcohol at the house or anything like that. So it was just times a year you'd get together for these girls these girls nights and then I'm trying to think but whenever I had my our first when we had our first child you know I, I don't believe I had alcohol in the house then I do remember moving when we built our house um, after I had we had our second child I remember that's when the memories of wine being around the house start for me. And I remember, I don't know exactly when this was, but I remember Jason Jason saying to me at one point, you know, you like wine and you're allowed to drink wine. Like, I don't care. And I remember him, He's he was just like, I, 
like you're allowed to you can buy a bottle of wine and have it at home. It's like it doesn't affect me. It's not going to make me want it or anything like that. And I remember almost being like, huh, this is a green light. Like I remember thinking, hmm, this that's that's awesome because <laughs> I'd been trying to not have alcohol in the house for him. And then he's giving me the green light that it's OK. I was like, OK. And so I think it was around that time that we we're in our new house. We had two young kids. And I talked about this in the podcast when I shared my story with anxiety. When things were, you know, super busy with the young kids, you know, having young kids, teaching full time, I I started to really look forward to that Friday night wine. Like I couldn't wait to get home after a long week of teaching. And anybody knows who's young kids you don't have any time to yourself and it was like that glass of wine was my reward at the end of the week and it wasn't just one glass of wine right but it it was just I as soon as I was waking up on Monday morning I was I found myself starting to like think about that Friday night wine like I can't wait I can't wait to have it and I didn't realize at the time like how much alcohol was literally occupying like the the space it was occupying in my mind. Now, when I think about it, how unhealthy that was, that I was quite often thinking about alcohol all the time, like when would I be able to drink next? And like, I consider myself a pretty disciplined person. Like if I make something, if I say something, like I'm not going to do this, I'm not, I won't do it. Like I'm, I can be pretty disciplined if I want to. So I had made some rules for myself, like no drinking during the week. But then there's always exceptions to the rule, like Valentine's Day, I'm definitely going to be drinking. Or I remember, (laughs) I remember that I loved if there was an impending storm, like a really bad storm, it looked like a bad forecast, like the night before I would have some wine because that was my treat because I was hoping that school would be canceled the next day. For the most part, I kept to, okay, I'm not drinking during the week. I have my wine on Friday. And then Sundays, we'd have family dinners with my parents usually and like there's there would always be wine there so I ended up starting to drink you know be drinking wine on Sundays and then I found like oh you know Friday oh I kind of want to drink Saturday too like this is a weekend so I'd find there were sometimes I was drinking like Friday Saturday Sunday and then and then I remember thinking okay like next time I'm only drinking Friday and Sunday. I'm not drinking Saturday. And and I would keep to that, but I remember almost white knuckling through those Saturday nights, like and thinking about it all the time. And, you know, looking back now, I'm like, that's so unhealthy, like how almost obsessed I was. And you don't have to have a problem with drinking. Like you don't you don't have to drink every day to have a problem with drinking. Like drinking was a problem for me. I wasn't drinking every day. I wasn't like there's, you know, these definitions around what an alcoholic is. And I could do a whole other episode on my I think the term alcoholic is really problematic. And it puts like it makes it seem like it's the person who is weak or it's like some genetic deficiency when, in fact, alcohol is addict. It's proven that it's addictive. I think it's like more addictive than it's up there with heroin or something like that. But for some reason, perhaps it's big alcohol. They like to put it on us that, oh, it's you who has the problem. It's not the substance. It's like, um, this is a highly addictive substance. And if you drink it enough, it's you're probably going to become dependent on it. Like it's it. I think it takes something like a week. I think it takes close to I don't know, five or six days for alcohol to fully leave your body 
I read that somewhere. So it only makes sense that, you know, I was couldn't wait until Friday. It's like because it's almost like a, a withdrawal. You know, I'd start to maybe even get more anxious or something because I, I think your body actually goes into a withdrawal. Like you need it, it wants to have more alcohol in the in your system. Anyhow, so fast forward to my cancer surgery. And I remember having to fill out a bunch of uh, paperwork pre-op. And one of the questions was asking, how much do you drink in a week? And I have heard that a lot of people lie on these and maybe not lie, but they underestimate the amount. And I think I actually may have overestimated. I think I said like something like eight to 10 glasses of wine a week, which because I was thinking, you know, sometimes on a Friday night, I have two to three but like sometimes I drink a whole bottle, like, you know, and then you never know on Sundays. And what if there's an extra day in there? Anyway, I think I put eight to 10 glasses a week. And now hearing that, I'm like, oh, oof. <laughs> but I didn't think that that was, I mean, when I broke it down, I was like, well, that's not even, that's really not much more than one drink a day, even though that's not. <laughs> There's a big difference be, between drinking one drink a day and then binge, binging it in in a couple of increments. But I went into my surgery, and they were trying to put me under, and they couldn't, like they couldn't put me under. And I didn't, I don't know, I didn't really think anything of it until after the surgery. The anesthesiologist came up to me and said, "We couldn't put you under right away," and. I I didn't, you know, really say anything. He's like, you know, you better slow down. You you better slow down on the wine. And I don't know if he exactly said that it's I don't know if he explained it to me, but I remember it was almost if you've ever had surgery, I was out of it after the surgery. Like do 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 like I was really like I don't know, kind of being silly. The nurse was I was making the nurse laugh and I was felt like I was in a great mood. And then him him saying it to me, it almost actually felt like he was this weird guardian angel person. Like it just everything stopped. Everything became very I can't explain. Like it was like it felt like I had been drunk after the surgery because I was loopy and it felt like I sobered up like just in an instant when he said this. And it was it just hit me like a ton of bricks. He's like, you better slow down. And I remember telling people about it after. And, you know, I wasn't drinking any differently that I didn't think like I knew a lot of people who drank like me, I thought and drink every day and I had self control. So I didn't see any problem with what I was doing. But his words really shook me up kind of and I don't know, they stuck with me. And I know my mom had said, oh, your your grandfather was the same way. It's very difficult to put him under as well when he had his, when he had surgery. I, if, I don't know what he had surgery for, but my mom told me that. I, I did attribute it to, you know, oh, me and Grampy are the same. <laughs> you know, my daughter actually, as an aside, maybe it is something that runs in families because my they couldn't, my daughter had stitches when she was little and they tried to actually put her under. They couldn't, they, they couldn't put her under. They had difficulty. So maybe it actually was that, but him saying that and specifically talking to telling me to slow down, it just felt like some type of weird divine intervention. Like, and it really kind of made me feel uncomfortable and sort of shook me up. And, but I, 
but I, I, I took it in and then I continued drinking. <laughs> I continued doing my normal drinking, can't wait till Friday type thing and didn't really change my behavior. I should mention that at this point in my life, alcohol was my main coping tool. And I don't think I fully realized it at the time, but that's how I dealt with stress. I had a drink. That's how I felt like it was helping me relieve my stress. I had no idea that it was actually making my stress much worse, making my anxiety so much worse. And I will talk about that more in part two next week. But Alcohol is like pouring gasoline on your anxiety. And that's a quote that I heard somewhere. I believe it was uh, from the author Holly Whitaker who wrote Quit Like a Woman. And I'll talk about some of these books and resources next week. But I had no sweet clue that it was the alcohol that was actually creating anxiety. And I had the worst anxiety. Like even if I just had a couple of glasses of wine, the next day I would wake up anxious, out of sorts. And I found that, you know, I'd been looking forward all week to this wine and I can relax and treat myself. And then I'd spend the weekend like an anxious mess. And I I wasn't making the connection that the alcohol had anything to do with this. I just felt like, okay, I need the alcohol to feel better. And I didn't realize that the feeling better was temporary and that I was left in this cesspool of anxiety what is a cesspool of anxiety? I don't even know. I just made it up, but maybe a sinkhole. Picture a sinkhole. <laughs> I'm in a sinkhole <laughs> and the alcohol dragged me down. I don't know. I was I was anxious, okay, guys? I was just anxious. But I had no idea that it was this vicious cycle that I was in. And anyhow, it took removing alcohol for me to make a lot of these realizations. And I'm going to talk about that more next week. So... Then moving forward, I don't know if that was that, I'm terrible, I said this before with dates and times. I don't know if a full year passed after that or if it was that fall because the operation was in February, February 23rd. Um, and then the it was in the fall, it was October, I believe, where I first took alcohol out of my life, I guess, for, you know, for 21 days. (laughs) Uh, I think it was that fall or maybe it was a year in between. I'm not sure. Anyhow, what happened was is, you know, after my cancer diagnosis and surgery and all that, I, I told you I became, I'd always been into health and fitness, but I became very into biohacking and just doing everything to optimize my health. And anyway, I became interested in hormone, hormones and hormone balancing And I got this book from the library called The Hormone Reset Diet. And I'm not really, (laughs) haven't had been on any type of diet since then, but I didn't consider it a diet. I was doing this to balance my hormones is what I thought. But anyhow, one of the things, there's a book, it's by Sarah Gottfried, and I believe it's called The Hormone Reset Diet. So I read the book and one of the things it would talk about all the things that you're taking out. I believe it was 21 days that you're taking out of your diet and the implication these things have on your hormones. And I just really wanted to balance my hormones in a in a healthy way. So I decided to do this. So one of the things that I that you had to take out for 21 days was alcohol. 
And I remember thinking about it and being like, oh, like this sounds horrible. I'm going to have to go through three weekends, like 21 days, three weekends, three Fridays without my beloved wine. Like this is so lame. Like my life is going to suck. I remember feeling like literally depressed about it. Like I have nothing to look forward to because sadly, that's what got me through the week is I can't wait to have my Friday night wine. It was just my security blanket. It was my exhale. Like, ah, I made it through the week. This is my, this is my reward. And it just felt so sad to me to think that I was going to have to go to three, have three Fridays. I love Fridays and I still love Fridays to this day. Friday's my favorite still. And I don't drink. So I used to think Fridays were my favorite because then I allowed myself to drink wine. But no, Fridays are still my favorite. But I remember just, I remember going up to um, Mill River up in Western Prince Edward Island. And one of my daughters was in a cross country. They were little, but well, they must have been in school. I don't, they must have, my, my oldest must have been in grade three probably or four I'm trying to think anyway I just remember going up to Mill River and to this cross-country meet and thinking thinking about it on the way up there and I couldn't drink coffee either so I was like what like what is life right now <laughs> like I was this is just depressing <laughs> I can't have caffeine I can't have alcohol this is so sad anyway so I was doing it and as I'm doing it I'm reading the book and I start to read about alcohol and like how it does negatively impact like your your hormones and the impact it has on your health and I started to get my eyes like my eyes became open to some of the negative aspects of alcohol that I'd never really considered before and hadn't heard a lot about. I feel like, you know, we've we've heard so much about, you know, why smoking is bad and people are very educated on that. But I realized I had never really taken the time to consider what negative implications alcohol might be having on my body. And it's just interesting because I was so into health and wellness and doing all these things like biohacking and red light therapy and all the different things and looking into saunas and just eating organic and you know grass-fed everything it's it was just I was so into all of that yet I was drinking this you know toxin and not even considering how that might be affecting my health which is interesting to me now but I never even really thought twice about it and I think that's because alcohol is just something that is so socially accepted that no one, most people don't really question it. It's just everybody drinks, it seems. You know, most people drink. It's so, so socially acceptable. It's actually sometimes feels like it's not, it's, it's not acceptable to not drink. <laughs> like if, if you're not drinking, you're questioned more than if you're drinking. If you, you're not deciding to drink this um toxin which is what it is it's you know I don't want to <laughs> trigger people or turn people off but like through my research I've realized you know it's ethanol it's like you know it's equivalent to what's being you can find at the gas tanks like it's a poison you're putting into your body and I never really considered that and I think it's important 
that there's more education out there and more awareness on what we're actually putting in our bodies and the effect it actually has on all aspects of our health, like our physical health, but also our mental health, which is huge. And it was having a huge impact on my mental health. And I had literally no idea. Anyhow, so I take it out of my my diet, or I take it out of my life for three weeks. And as I'm doing that, I'm reading this book and I'm reading about it. And I'm just starting to consider new perspectives, just opening my mind up to what does life look like without alcohol and maybe thinking about how alcohol has been impacting my life thus far. I I could have a drink again and I found myself not really being overly excited about it. I wasn't really pumped about it, but I did. I was like, okay, this is my, you know, it was a Friday night. This is my habit. This is my old routine. Like I'm going to have it. And I just... I don't know, after that, after taking it out for 21 days, didn't quite feel the same again. And so that's fine. So that was like in the fall, I think it was around October. And so between October to January, I honestly skipped some Fridays, which is crazy to me. And it just didn't have, it just wasn't the same. It's almost like once you know, know better, you do better. Like I, I, it's like I knew too much now and and I I didn't even know half of what I was about to learn but I just I'm like how can I I'm committed to my health but I'm still drinking this why am I doing it so there was kind of a there was a I don't know a push pull in my brain going on like it, it just didn't drinking didn't have the same allure as it once did and then in January uh, Annie Grace came into my awareness and I don't know how it popped up probably on Facebook or something, but I heard about this thing called the alcohol experiment. And it was this Annie Grace. She is the author of this naked mind. It's a book and she was offering a free alcohol. Was it free? I'm trying to remember. I think I, it might've cost a little bit like, and it was just, it was a, it was, you know, the same idea as dry January, but not exactly. It was more about, you know, let's see what our lives look like for 30 days without alcohol, like to interrupt maybe the habit that you may have formed. Like I know I had that habit of every single Friday night drinking alcohol. And what would my life look like if for 30 days I interrupted that habit? And so I, I did that. I signed up for it. I bought the book. There's a book you can get called The Alcohol Experiment. Highly, highly, highly recommend. Game changer if you're sober curious. And her also her book, This Naked Mind. And I just, her resources changed the game for me because she's not all about, if somebody told me you have to take it out of your life forever, I would have said, no, no, thank you. <laughs> not for me. Like that would have been way too scary for me. She just is all about being sober curious, not saying that you're doing this forever, but just being open to what kind of your life would look like without alcohol in it. And so that appealed to me because I didn't want anybody telling me like, oh, you're not going to be able to have wine ever again. I would say, okay, no way. I'm not doing this. But it was just, let's see. Let's see what happens in 30 days. So I signed up for that uh, January 1st and that was the last time, like that December 31st was the last time I ever had any alcohol. And I remember it was, I remember it was with my family. We were watching a Taylor Swift 
the, her Taylor Swift, maybe it's Miss Americana, or was it a different Taylor Swift thing? Maybe it was just a Taylor Swift concert on Netflix or something. I think it was the Taylor Swift concert, some type of concert that they televised. I'm not sure if anybody can remember, but they did some type of Taylor Swift event on this New Year's Eve. And I remember watching it with my family and I remember having the wine out and I drank like one glass maybe like I just was not it just did not I don't know it didn't I it's almost like I think I knew I think I knew in that moment too that I wasn't gonna ever drink again I think even leading up to doing the 30 day alcohol experiment I knew because I remember my parents got me this like really nice pottery um wine like goblet mug thing and I remember just being like hmm I don't think I'm gonna need this and normally I would have like been obsessed with it but in my mind I was thinking uh this is probably not going to be used I think there was something within me that knew whenever I did that hormone reset that I would eventually be removing alcohol from my life forever I just think that you know deep deep within me I knew that if I wanted to be living my most aligned life, that I couldn't be doing that with alcohol in the picture. It just wouldn't be possible for me. Okay, I think I'm going to end this this episode now because I'm already at around 40 minutes. And I just think this would be good broken up into two parts. So next week, I will talk about that first year of sobriety, I'll tell you about how I survived (laughs) my biggest kind of tips and tools, things I leaned on the most during that first year, the first couple of years. Um, I'm four years sober now, and I don't think about drinking ever. (laughs) Like it just doesn't cross my mind, but it crossed my mind a whole, whole lot in that first year. So I, I think I will talk about that, what that was like removing alcohol from my life, the benefits, like what, like how I've, how I've seen my life just expand and grow because of taking out alcohol and what's changed in my life. I'll also maybe give some recommendations on books and yeah, just go into what it's like to be be sober curious and maybe what some of the benefits are and how I kind of survived that first year. So if you are someone who is questioning your relationship with alcohol or sober curious, then I would love to have some resources for you to support you. I'm no expert. I'm just speaking from my lived experience, but it has been one of the you know, I like to say the word game changer around here. It's one of my favorite words, but removing alcohol for me was an absolute game changer and had an has had an impact on all aspects of my health and my life and it's one of the best decisions I ever made so I hope you tune in next week and I hope I didn't trigger you today because I should have mentioned like in the past like I loved following accounts that people had like a glass of wine like it just I love seeing other people drinking it made me feel cozy and warm and it made me feel validated in my drinking and I don't know it's weird just I loved seeing picture like pictures on Instagram or whatever of people drinking it made me feel good probably sounds (laughs) sick but um, I'm sure if 
I would not have liked to have seen some of my posts like promoting not drinking when when I was, you know, before I got sober curious. So it probably would have triggered me. So, you know, if I'm triggering you, I totally understand that and I get it. So I would have been triggered too. Um, but hopefully, you know, if you are still listening and I triggered you, that's a good sign. Get a little curious. <laughs> that's all it is. It's just getting curious. It's not having to do anything dramatic, dr- dramatic, drastic or dramatic. It's just opening that space up in your head and and just having an open mind as and being able to consider what your life might look like without alcohol in it for a period of time. Anyhow, I hope. That being said, oh, this is releasing on a Friday. <laughs> um, you know what? I actually used to have like certain pod. I used to love to listen to Caitlin Bristow's I'm like a Bachelor Nation person, <laughs> even though that's the most problematic franchise. That's a whole other episode. Um, I listen to Game of Roses, by the way, which is it treats Bachelor like a sport. And that's the only reason I still watch Bachelor is because Game of Roses, like I'm in the pit, y'all. Game of Roses, like breaks down the bachelor as if it's a sport and I'm obsessed with that and I love I love watching it. I only watch it so I can listen to Game of Roses podcast. Like I'm not even joking. Anyhow, oh yeah, how did I get here? Yeah, I used to like love listening to Caitlin Bristow's podcast. I'd save it for Fridays because it's like you can hear her pouring wine in the intro or you used to be able to. I think it's changed now. I don't really listen to it very much anymore, but I think I listen to it because she loves wine. She loves to drink and she'd always like crack a bottle during her episode. And it was just, it's kind of sad to admit, but I felt like (laughs) she was like my little drinking buddy on Fridays. I get so excited to, I'd listen to her podcast driving home from work and that would get me in the mood to go home and have my, my wine ready. And anyway, my, how things have changed. <laughs> I do love a good ice cold kombucha, though, people. You know, I'm not totally lame. <laughs> okay, I think people who use the word lame are, uh, in fact, quite lame. Okay, I'm going to stop talking now. <laughs> I hope everybody has a wonderful weekend and. You do you. I'm not judging anybody. I'm only speaking from my experience and your experience with alcohol might be different. So you do you, boo. (laughs) Anyhow, I hope you do join me next week where I talk about get more into that first year of sobriety and talk about like what helped me the most and share with you some of the resources and tips and tricks that I've picked up along the way. All right. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody, and thank you so much for joining me today. Bye.